wow. I just got to run through Kubo and the Two Strings twice in the last week, and I'm so full of thoughts. Now, I shouldn't need to say this, but please do not watch this video if you have not seen Kubo and the Two Strings. This whole video is nothing but spoilers, and there are some big reveals within the film that the previews do not allude to. So continue from here on out at your own risk. The details in Kubo and the Two Strings are just so visually exquisite. The Daughters of the Moon King are these kind of demon owls. Beetle lives in the heart of a fallen samurai statue. And Kubo's mother, who's really a princess of the nighttime, briefly regains her mental faculties when the moonlight touches her. This movie is the catnip of a film studies major because there is implied symbolism in almost every frame of the film. And just like we got with Coraline, Kubo has a lot of unanswered questions and issues that the movie doesn't address at all. So I'm mostly going to go over my notes without having anything theoretical to say, but I have had two decent thoughts so far, one involving Hanzo and the other involving the Moon King. And hopefully when I rewatch the movie again and have some great conversations with all of you, I'll get more sparks going off in my brain to make more theory connections. So first I want to comment on the eyes. Kubo and the Two Strings has such a huge recurring theme with eyes. Kubo loses his left eye and his grandfather wants his right eye so that Kubo can go to the heavens with him. Kubo's mother smashes her left eye on a rock and gives herself brain damage. The Owl Demon sisters both have their eyes covered with masks. Monkey has a really weird faint scar that goes from under her eye to her muzzle, which is the opposite eye from the one that Kubo's mother injured, by the way. Beetle has these really strange kind of silver eyes. And then Kubo's grandfather first appears as blind. Then he seems to be visually fine. And then when he's turned into human form, the grandfather has one blind eye and Kubo's left eye in his head. This whole film dances around eye imagery. And yes, I do know that the Moon King's eye is blue and Kubo's is this brown kind of green honeyish color. But I still think that, that is Kubo's left eye and I'll get to that in just a little bit. But I think Kubo gives us a hint about why the eyes are so important when he says that memories are the most powerful kind of magic. That's really intriguing when we look back through Kubo and the two strings and notice some of the details. When Kubo's mother is asleep, her magic takes the form of manipulating origami, a skill that Kubo also acquires after he loses his mother. But what is happening in a dream? Well, in many cases, it's our brain playing with memories. Now, not necessarily in a way like, here's a perfectly preserved moment where I once went swimming with my cousins at their birthday party or something like that. But dreams take many things that we remember, people, places, colors, feelings. Our sleeping mind takes all of these different types of memory, like their ingredients on a shelf, and it makes something happen with them. So in a case like this movie, the memories of Kubo's mother became magical elements when they were dreams. Now, after Kubo is sent off on his quest with Monkey, what happens as soon as he dreams? Little Hanzo creates himself and guides Kubo on his way. Now, I can see a lot of room to argue who Little Hanzo is since we later learn that actual Hanzo never died. So that means the little origami samurai is clearly not controlled by the spirit of Hanzo. But does that mean that little Hanzo is controlled by Kubo? 
Considering that Kubo is the magic bearer of his group, it seems most likely that his subconscious mind is moving little Hanzo around. All of the other origami figures have followed Kubo's silent commands, sometimes even without his direct permission. So Kubo controlling little Hanzo makes the most sense. Kubo was clearly overwhelmed with the situation, and having the figure of his father present would have helped him cope with everything, as Hanzo was the strong man that Kubo could hide behind. However, there are a few times where we see little Hanzo guiding the quest, and Kubo has no idea where they're even at. Now, I'm all for saying that Kubo was unwittingly controlling little Hanzo, but how could he also be unwittingly leading the way to a place he's never seen before? Which means that little Hanzo is breaking the rules of magic as we know them by not being an extension of Kubo's will. So if it's not Kubo, then who is the pilot controlling the little Hanzo origami? Well, I would dare to speculate that the control is coming from the lost memories of Hanzo. Follow with me here, but we know what happened to Hanzo's body, it became Beetle. But in a story where everything is actually happening in a literal sense because of the magic involved, right down to plucking eyeballs out of children's skulls so that they can be metaphorically and literally blind to humanity, how do we account for where Hanzo's memories went? Notice that Beetle explains he gets flashes of memories returned to him and then they're gone. So what if, while traveling around in the Far Lands, Beetle has walked into his own memories that are just floating around unable to recognize who they belong to? Then one day, an opportunity presented itself when Kubo accidentally made a paper samurai figure in his sleep. And then the memories of Hanzo were able to find a function through that origami figure. Consider this. Towards the end of the film, when Kubo is sitting in the rubble looking at his broken monkey charm and the crumpled up little Hanzo, why didn't Kubo just bid little Hanzo to spring back to life? Since Kubo's subconscious can make the origami figures, wouldn't Kubo be feeling like he needed a father figure now more than ever to rely on? Yet, little Hanzo can't be resurrected to be the same way again because the two halves were finally able to reunite. Beetle has been unable to remember who he was, and Hanzo's memories were not present to recognize what its body had become. So you have two parts of the same person that are completely lost and disconnected from each other. And when that connection was made and Beetle was told who he was, the two halves were able to reunite later, which explains why Beetle seems to suddenly remember more than he had previously been able to and why the little Hanzo figure stopped moving independently from Kubo's will at the same time. I was also curious as to why Kubo's mother had had severe brain damage, but Monkey seemed to get around just fine. And then it kind of occurred to me that that was because Kubo's mother did not actually change forms. She only sent her soul into the monkey charm, giving herself a fresh new body that had all the cognitive abilities and none of the previous traumas. Okay, let me try to make sense. If Kubo's mother was the monkey, she could transform back and forth. And once the monkey got the cut on her side, the human form of Kubo's mother would always have the same cut too. That would be the same body with the same issues in just a different shape. What Kubo's mother did was transfer her mind into something else. So she no longer had her magic or a way to take a human form again, but it gave her a new vessel with a new clean bill of health meaning that the brain injury was just part of the mother's body, but not a part of her actual mind. And once she ditched that broken vessel, her mind functioned perfectly again. And if you didn't catch it, yes, Kubo used a three-string guitar throughout the entire film, but the two strings that the movie refers to are his mother and father. 
Notice when both of his parents are dead and Kubo cries over his guitar, there's only one string left. That string is Kubo. He's alone in the world now without the protection of the left and the right string that had previously shielded him from the harsh strumming of life. And what does that string do now that it's all alone? It quickly snaps. Also notice that the armor that Kubo hunts for is covered in sun designs. And Kubo tries to defeat his grandfather by force by being the light that banishes the darkness, but he fails. Kubo can't win because no matter how brightly the sun shines on you, you will always cast a shadow. So Kubo can't defeat the Moon King by force any more than he can banish all darkness from the world. Kubo had to win by changing the nature of darkness. That's why he used a strand of his mother's hair, his hair, and his father's bowstring to restring the guitar and make the Moon King feel. And that is very similar to the way Kubo's mother had changed once she felt connected to a human. Now, I said earlier that the Moon King's human form had Kubo's left eye. That was everything that the Moon King had been afraid of, really. Kubo's stolen eye, aka his memories, and especially in regards to his memories of love, were able to overpower his grandfather and fully take over the Moon King. Kubo's left eye was able to make his grandfather human, and since the eye was taken from Kubo as a baby, the eye had no personal memories attached to it. It only knew that it was a human eye. So when Kubo's guitar beckoned the ghost to rush his grandfather, the Moon King was suddenly flooded with human memories and emotions that he'd never felt before. And his body reacted by reforming around the one human possession it had, Kubo's eye. And because the eye was a blank slate taken from a baby, that's why Kubo's grandfather had no memories when he shifted forms. And I just find it really perfect that Kubo's missing eye is what his grandfather needs to become a human-formed person that Kubo can actually interact with and love and form this good, positive thing with. The last note I want to make for today is about the ending where the spirits of Hanzo and Kubo's mother appeared. Kubo makes this huge plea about needing his parents with him still, and a big part of me hoped that they would spring back to life, but they didn't. The movie closes with lanterns, representing the souls of the departed, turning into golden herrings and flying back to the underworld. But take note that Kubo's parents stay. Look at the last few seconds before the credits start. The ghost of Kubo's mom and Hanzo are looking straight at the camera with Kubo while the little paper lanterns seem to be sailing off. They aren't going anywhere. They're going to stay right there with their son, which, if nothing else, could offer a very interesting sequel. But having said that, things like sequels can't happen when a movie doesn't produce earning results. Despite being an incredible and imaginative film, Kubo didn't do very well in the box office. In smaller companies like this, the last project often pays for the next project. Video sales can make a huge impact to a company, so please show your support with your wallet so that we keep getting these unusual, interesting, great movies. Thanks for watching this video, and if you liked it, I hope you'll like, subscribe, and check out what other videos are on my channel. Please definitely subscribe though, so that way you'll be notified when I make new videos. And if you really, really, really want to help me out, please share this video with people that you think would enjoy watching it. Thanks again!